Hey, this is Dr. Bruce Becker. I'm here once again uh, with Pastor Mike Novotny, the lead speaker of Time of Grace. Actually, I'm here and he's there because we're doing this virtu uh, virtually. So, how are, you, how are you doing, Pastor Mike? Um, I just turned 40 years old, Bruce. So I feel achier and a slightly grumpier and maybe a little bit wiser. Or maybe just the first two out of the three. <laughs> Well, I've got more than two decades on you, and I can tell you, um, no, I'm not going to say anything. So. <laughs> Thank you. Thank, I appreciate that. Say, Pastor Mike, you're starting a new three-part series in December in the weeks leading up to your uh, Christmas message. And this series is called Christmas Hype. So let's talk about it a little bit. And before we dig into the three individual messages, what what do you mean? Can you help us understand what you mean by Christmas hype? Mm. Yeah. So uh, when I think of hype, I think of like marketing and PR and promotion and the buildup. Uh, I think of a, a great commercial that makes you want to buy a product or a movie trailer that when it's done, you know, it's, it's hyped up so much that you just, you want to do something with it. You want to listen, you want to take a step, you want to click a button. So when I think of Christmas hype, I'm thinking of the kind of like spiritual marketing that will make us listen to the message that we find about Christmas in the Bible. Well, thanks. In the in that first message, you talk about a hype man. Uh, what what's a hype man? And did Jesus really have a hype man? Yeah. So, Bruce, are you a hip hop fan? Not really. You and you and Linda Becker don't like rap. Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg lyrics in the, in the Becker home. It's a it's a generational thing. I think. <laughs> it's a safe place, Bruce. This podcast you you can tell us. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I uh, I grew up in the '90s, like with a huge love for hip hop music. So that's where I heard the phrase. Uh, a hype man was like not the main rapper, but almost like the backup rapper who would get the crowd like super hyped up and jacked up. So when the star stepped on the stage. Like everyone was already emotionally there and they were ready just to explode with, with energy and singing and participation. And then sometimes um, it's kind of cool in hip hop culture if you know rap happens so quickly and the lyrics are coming so fast that you know sometimes you might miss something really good that a rapper said. And so a hype man would kind of stand behind his shoulder and would sometimes repeat the same words or call attention to them or have like an emotional or physical reaction. So it was kind of like that, where like there's something really good here. I want you to know it's coming, and when you hear it, I don't want you to miss it. So when I was thinking about Jesus and especially about John the Baptist, like what was the calling that God had given to him? My brain went back to those formative high school years of mine, thinking like he he was the hype man. He he came onto the stage first. He got the ancient land of Israel all jacked up. The Lord's coming. I got to prepare the way. And then when Jesus spoke, like John just wanted all the attention, all the eyes to be on the words of Jesus because they had power and they had the ability to save. So that's what I mean by hype man. What's the, in this first message with John the Baptist and Jesus, what, what's the big takeaway that you want to have people have? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think my takeaway that I want people to have is let's not mess up Christmas again. <laughs> like it, 
you know, Christmas started as this really, uh, I was actually looking at the history of the Advent or Christmas season in Christianity. And it was like really, in, in the beginning, maybe four or 500 years after Jesus was born, it was stripped down. It was like people fasting one to three days a week, like getting ready to think about the coming of Jesus and his coming again. And obviously, that's not what we do today. I mean, today we <laughs> we, we, schedule, we gain we gain three pounds a week. We don't fast three days a week. And we, uh, you know, we pack our schedules and there's the gifts and the white elephant gifts and the office gifts and the secret Santa gifts and the gifts for our second cousins and our significant others. And like we stack tradition on top of tradition on top of tradition until like you finally get to Christmas. And have you ever just like, oh, like I'm busy, I'm overscheduled. I'm exhausted. And sometimes all those like buzzwords of the season, like joy and peace and, and hope, um, they're just not our experience with Christmas. So I'm hoping this message helps people to remember, hey, this isn't crazy like biblical rocket science, but Christmas is about Christ. And to experience the peace of Christ, you might have to just like take a deep breath, say no to six to 10 things and just like really minimalize our Christmas season so we don't miss a savior who's worth all the hype in the world. Well, that's really helpful insight. Thanks for that. In the second message, uh, you ask a question whether something is really worth the hype. Anything in your life that you thought was really worth the hype, but uh, it turned out not to be? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, this is an embarrassing story. So, Promise me you won't put this podcast on the internet. <laughs> so, uh, well, we'll see. We'll see how embarrassing it is. You, you might not believe it now because I wear the same clothes every day to work, and that's not much of an exaggeration. But I went through a phase where I was all about men's fashion. Have I ever told you this before? No, no. I was like, I subscribed to GQ magazine. When Kim and I would go to a big city like Chicago, I would duck into the Armani and the Hugo Boss store. Like I was all about high fashion. And uh, of course, I I was a broke grad student too. So I once, I tried on a Giorgio Armani suit once. It was like how heaven feels, I think. It was so beautiful, but I couldn't swallow the $2,000 plus sticker shock for a suit. Um, But there's one purchase I made. I I splurged. I was at the mall and I found this Hugo Boss, like designer, kind of brownish tweed, beautiful stitching, just fit me like a glove, looked amazing with uh, with this outfit. I'm like, I, I got to get this. And it was on sale for about $700. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> so I'm, I'm at the seminary. I buy this jacket. I'm thinking like, dang, I have never looked so good. I, I go to school. And I walk into my first class and one of my friends, who's a pastor now, he looks at me in this brown kind of tweed jacket and his, the first words out of his mouth are, hey, Gilligan, you took the skipper's jacket. $700. And I, I barely ever wore the jacket again. I was so embarrassed by the, uh, the anticlimactic reaction. So yeah, that's like, that's classic marketing, right? You, you think... This is going to be the device, or this is going to be the car, or this is going to be the appliance in the kitchen. This is like, this is going to change your world, change your life, and like so much of life is like that. It 
it's just not good enough, doesn't live up to the hype. Uh, but I'm really thankful that Jesus and the God he gets us to is so different. Like we can't possibly hype him enough because of the forgiveness and mercy and love that we find through Jesus. You've convinced me not to go and buy expensive uh, clothes. <laughs> You're welcome. I just saved a couple of people out there a dollar or two. <laughs> Say in this uh, message, uh, you teach how Jesus went to be baptized by John the Baptist. And there are two concepts that you mention. One is a pair of repentance and forgiveness, and the other is the kingdom of heaven. Can you just briefly explain uh, each of these? And what do they have to do with Christmas? Yeah, um, maybe let me explain the second one, the, the kingdom of heaven. And I think it'll, in and of itself, explain the first one. So I'm not sure if you've caught this. If you actually track the topics that Jesus himself talked about the most, the number one thing on Jesus' list was the kingdom of heaven. So, so many of his parables where the kingdom of heaven is like this or the kingdom of heaven is like that. And for a lot of years, I never slowed down to kind of think about why would Jesus choose that picture? Um, but after studying like history and ancient culture, like this has been a, a powerful picture for me to grasp. Because in the ancient world, you know, it was pretty brutal. You'd have conquering armies come in. And if you just lived out in the open country, if you're just independently camping with your family and the, the Romans or the Assyrians or the Babylonians came rolling in, like really, really disturbing things would happen to you and the people you loved. But nearby, maybe there was a kingdom, like a big walled city, think of Jerusalem, and you could actually go and find a refuge and safety behind those walls. But there's kind of a thing about a kingdom. There's a king. And normally they're not taking applications. <laughs> so whenever I hear the phrase, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, I think of these two concepts. There's safety there and there's authority there. Like I can be saved from an enemy that's stronger than me, but I don't get to make the rules in the kingdom. I have to submit to the authority of the king. And, and to me, that's such a perfect picture of what Jesus is offering people. You know, he is the king that came down from heaven and he, he opens the gates so that we can find safety and refuge from sin, from our past, from our struggles, from the devil, from hell itself, from being separated from God. But when you walk through those gates to follow Jesus, he's not looking for you to sit on the throne with him. He's looking for you to bow the knee to him. And so to me, that's where repentance comes in, changing our mind Jesus, you get the last word. You're the Lord. You tell me what to do with my money, with my life, my sexuality, my thoughts, my feelings, my desires. You're the king. And I'm just so grateful that I can submit to you because you keep me safe from these threats that are so much bigger than me. I really like that illustration or comparison of the, the king and the kingdom when you're talking about and, and then how you tied, uh, tied this all together in one happy bow. So thanks for that. <laughs> You're welcome. Hey, in the third message, you asked the question, is your heart ready for the comparison? What do you mean by that comparison? Man. So for many years, probably as long as I can remember, I I've suffered from an undiagnosed condition that I call obsessive comparison disorder. Um, OCD. I don't know if it's because I'm a competitive person or I'm a proud person or just a sinful person. 
but I find that the most tempting times for me have to do when I don't compare very well to another standard. Um, and because of the world we live in, you know, there's, just, there's no way of getting around a thousand different comparisons every single day. Um, you know, if someone's listening and they use social media, you, you kind of know, did you get one like or two or 10 or a hundred? Um, you look at someone's holiday card and there they are with their happy family and their beautiful kids. And you're going through a separation or a divorce or you're estranged from those that you love. Like every single day we compare the way we look and how much money we have and the home we live in and the social media following and the size of our churches and, you know, the list goes on and on and on. And so in that third message, I really want to prepare our hearts. Like, can we get through those moments when you know you're not like the most fit person at the pool party? Or you go to a Christmas party and you know someone lives in more square footage, drives a nicer car, has a nicer kitchen. Like, can you get through moments like that without losing your peace and your joy? Can you push back against the obsessive comparison? That's really my goal for that third message. In that third message, toward the end, uh, you tell a story about a woman by the name of Amy Carmichael. Who is she and what can we learn from her? Yeah, wow. Uh, incredible story. She was a, a, a Christian missionary to India and didn't have like bursting outward success. And she left some journals behind. So we, we kind of know that it was a struggle for her at times. She kept telling herself, you know, God wants me to be faithful. And he might not have given me the biggest ministry or the most successful, like, uh, outward stuff. He just wants me to be faithful to the chance I have to love people today. And uh, her impact was, like, really probably later recognized than during her life. I wonder if that's, like, a God thing to keep us humble, right? People become famous yeah. after they're dead. <laughs> like, once you're content in heaven, then we can make you famous. Yeah. Um, but uh, what I love this detail, so they found... Um, I think she died maybe back in the 1950s and they found a bunch of Amy Carmichael's pictures. And as they went through all these pictures of all these people that she served, I think at an orphanage in India, they couldn't find a single picture of Amy herself. Like she wasn't flipping around her old school camera and snapping, <laughs> you know, it wasn't about her. Uh, it reminds me of John the Baptist and John three, who said, if Jesus becomes greater, I can become less. My joy is not in my success. It's when people are fixing their eyes on Jesus. And that's kind of how she lived her life. And man, what an inspiring story and example for the rest of us. Well, let's wrap up this three-part series. Uh, when people watch it or listen to it, what's the, the one takeaway you want them to have from the entire series? Can you put it in one sentence? Um. Bruce Becker, you know that brevity is not my spiritual, <laughs> <laughs> not my spiritual gift. Um, maybe, maybe I'll put it this way. I'll end the sentence here. Because of COVID, we have the opportunity to have an authentic Christmas. Like I like that. You think back to the way it was for Mary and Joseph, for the shepherds, for the Magi. It, it wasn't much besides just Jesus. And maybe COVID gives us an opportunity that we've never had before to like just slow down, 
fix our eyes on Jesus who was born to save us and find all the joy in the world from that. Well, thanks, Pastor Mike. Uh, our listeners can uh, look forward to watching or listening to this entire series over the coming weeks by going to our uh, website at timeofgrace.org. Boom. Oh, Bruce, now it's my turn because you just wrote a great uh, new little booklet for us at Time of Grace that we're excited for people to get. It's called Prophecies and Fulfillments. God is still in control. So you believe that, huh? At the end of <laughs> at the end of 2020, you don't think he fell asleep at the wheel? Well, 2020 has been quite the quite the ride, and this year has been. There's been so much anxiety, and there's been anger, and we've seen violence in the in the cities dominating our headlines. It it could lead somebody to feel that maybe God is distant and powerless, and He's really not concerned about us. But when we think about Christmas and what we're celebrating this, this month, we see how God put his love into action. Because the bottom line is, is that Jesus' birth was prophesied thousands of years before Jesus was born. It was thousands of years in the making. And so in the book, uh, go back to the Old Testament, the opening chapters of, of Genesis, and those uh, that promise that God made to Adam and Eve, uh, that one day he'd send a Savior. And then we hop ahead to 2,000 years before uh, Jesus was born, and to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the promises that God made. So we look at, we look at those, and we look at uh, the, the promises uh, that uh, he gave to, to David. And as we got closer to uh, Jesus' birth, some of the prophecies and promises get more specific. And it's, it's really intriguing. But the, the middle part, uh, and I didn't start out writing the book with this in mind, but really dug into the three things that Jesus did in his life. He served as a prophet, he served as a priest, and he served as a king. And so looking, the book looks back in the Old Testament uh, to prophet, priest, and king and, and how that all un, unraveled uh, by God. And then we see how Jesus uh, served as prophet, priest, and king. And then the cool thing is, is how we serve as a prophet, as a priest, and as a king. So that's the book. Oh, that last part got my attention. I'm, uh, I'm excited. I haven't read it yet myself, so I'm, I can't wait to do it. Yeah, that's uh, about a year ago, <clears throat> I read through the entire New Testament and took a highlighter and tried to mark like every, every connection or every word or every reference that wouldn't really make sense unless you had read the Old Testament. And I think for a lot of people listening, the Old Testament can be kind of scary and obscure and less familiar. So I'm thinking you writing this, like Old Testament focused, all the threads that get to Jesus is going to be hugely helpful for people to like put the whole Bible together and appreciate that it's about Jesus. Now, as I, I, I finished it, I go, you know, there's, there's another half because I only go up to Jesus' birth. There's a whole lot of things in terms of his life and in terms of what's going to happen when he returns on, on the last day. There's a lot of other prophecies. So I might have to write, a, write another one and, and finish uh, the whole concept of prophecies and fulfillment. Well, Bruce, <clears throat> this is why we keep you chained in the time of grace space. So <laughs> you can write more stuff about Jesus. <laughs> All right, Bruce. So if people are as eager as I am to get their hands on your new book, where could they find a copy? 
It's real easy. You just go to timeofgrace.org and uh, it'll be on the homepage and you just click on it and you can, uh, you can get it. We'll send it to you. Sounds good. You can also find it, I think, in the message notes for this podcast. So whatever works for you, make sure you get Bruce's new book and learn tons about Jesus. And Pastor Mike, I wanted to be sure to mention the fact that in the month of December, we have an incredible gift that is a matching grant, $250,000 from a donor family. Uh, They're just terrific people. They support the ministry and they want to encourage you to uh, have your gift matched as well. And you can do that uh, by going to timeofgrace.org and uh, donate there. Say the segment that we close with every uh, month uh, is where you share any stories of people that have been blessed uh, by God um, uh, through the ministry of Time of Grace. So what's the best story that you uh, ran across or heard about in November? Ooh. You know, Bruce, you gave me a heads up on this question, and I couldn't pick one. uh, (laughs) Let me machine gun a couple of short stories at you. Okay. I got to go to the jail last Monday and to visit, to visit, not, yes. Not oh, to that's, <laughs> I should clarify. Yeah. To, indeed to visit. And a member of our church, she serves and does Bible studies in the jail and she's been bringing her device, her laptop or her tablet and just showing messages from our church that we share with time of grace. And it was really cool. I wasn't even visiting this woman, but she was leaving and said, Hey, like, I know who you are. And she starts like re, re-preaching the sermon that I had just preached the day before. Um, and she was like bringing this back into the cell block. And, and the next woman comes out to visit me and she said, hey, all the girls on the cell block wanted me to say hi. And it was just this awesome reminder that God uses media like Time of Grace to get to places that we might not physically get. You know? Right here behind bars, there's people who really need grace and forgiveness and hope and Jesus. And like through that screen, through that technology, man, the gospel still does great things. Yeah, I'm a little blown away by the number of people who are incarcerated that contact uh, Time of Grace and say, I watch you, I listen to you, I read your stuff. It's, you know, that we're able to, to, to serve those people. Yeah, amen. If that weren't good enough, then this woman shows up at our church. I still don't know how she got there. And uh, she shows up and listens and she, she kind of scurries out so I don't get a chance to talk to her. I find out her name. So I look her up on Facebook and her uh, the little like quote on the top of her Facebook page just says, smoke weed every day. <laughs> <laughs> but the next Sunday she, she comes back and I'm preaching about how we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. And afterwards I, I was able to text her and she said, you know, um, I was an atheist, but... The, the stuff you were saying about unconditional love, like, that's just in Jesus. I'm like, yeah. And so, like, literally in the last two weeks, she's like, I, I used to be an atheist. I came, I heard the gospel. I'm not anymore. So I'm like, yes, I, I don't know about the, the weed part just yet, but she's starting to worship. So, like, that was such good news. But, sorry, this is my last one. And it's my favorite for a different reason. Uh, there's this amazing, amazing woman from our church. Uh, who I've respected. I don't know her whole background and story, but I I think she had a really rough go of life, uh, mostly because of the way that men treated her. And um, she's dying now. So I just found out she had cancer. She doesn't have too long. And I visited her two weeks ago. 
And she's talking about these, you know, resources and staying connected to Jesus through uh, what we do. And she said, you know, Pastor Mike, um, you and the other pastors at our church have helped me to trust men again. Wow. Yeah. And she, uh, people don't say this to me very often, but I was, I was leaving her small apartment. She just said, Pastor Mike, I love you. Um, and, and there's a whole story there that I can only imagine. But it, it makes me think there's so many people who have had such bad experiences, whether it's with churches or with pastors or with men or with fathers. Yeah, and just being a little glimpse of God's kindness and his compassion and bringing a father who is in heaven and he's holy. There's just such a great need for the work that we do. So just getting a glimpse of that, like, wow, no one's ever said that to me before. And it just reminds me, man, the, the gospel really is incredible news. I love hearing these stories, but uh, we probably should wrap this up. Why don't you, why don't you do that for us? Yeah, I'd love to. So, uh, hey, if you're listening out there, um, thank you so much for your time. Uh, your holiday season is probably busy, just like ours. Um, if there's someone who might need this message, to hear about God's promises, his prophecies, the hype about Jesus instead of just traditions, uh, we'd love for you to pass this podcast on. Share it, rate it, review it. Help us jump up in the algorithms. We just want to give good news to people who desperately need it. So, thanks for giving us your attention. Thanks, Bruce, for uh, letting me interview you and uh, asking some good questions about Christmas hype. And uh, God willing to all of you out there, we'll catch you next time. God bless and be with Jesus today.